0: Well, that wasn't stressful at all. Florida State finally snaps the streak to Clemson 31-24 in overtime. Does not lead in regulation, down 10 for a lot of the game. Um, Finds a way to battle back and force overtime, thanks to the shoulders of the defense, a scoreless fourth quarter from both teams. Um, Yeah, I think we all joined the Zoom here and kind of said, wow, that that was fun in the most (laughs) stressful possible way. Uh, you're out gained 429 to 311. They beat you by almost 10 minutes on time of possession. You couldn't run the ball. Your pass attack was kind of mediocre at best. And yet you went into Clemson and you break your losing streak. Um, I got to say overall, you're 4-0, but certainly a lot of questions to be answered. Thank you for joining us. This is going to be a kind of immediate post-game recap here. Uh, Brian Pellerin, Ben Meyerson. Yeah. All right. John Marchant. See, I got to practice before I start, so I don't do this every time. It's a immediate post-game reaction seminal wrap. We're doing this here on Saturday afternoon. Um, so yeah, like Colorado, Oregon is on my TV right now as we're doing this. So not much time to rewatch. It's really just what you saw and kind of regrouping. So I want to start it with, I- I'm sure we could go an hour plus on this, There's plenty to talk about, but I want to look for like one takeaway. We just left the game about an hour ago. The game just went final with Whatever Klubnik was trying to do there at the end of the game, but John, what is your one big takeaway for Florida State coming out of this game? And we can go into the details in a sec.
1: Uh, yeah, my one big takeaway is obviously you're, you know if you're Florida State, you're happy with where you're at. You beat your two toughest te- uh, teams, opponents on your regular season schedule. You are four and zero, right? A lot of people thought that FSU would be three and one at this point. They're four and zero, but also you don't look anything like a national title contender uh there are scheme issues on both sides of the ball that we can get into but um again you, you can't be too upset uh it is eclipse is a very 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 tough place to to go into and to win and uh hats off to this team for doing it
0: ben what's your big takeaway
2: yeah i mean i definitely agree with a lot of what john was saying um you know i, I my emphasis would be that fsu played a c game today and you know they were awful for stretches during that game, and they won anyways in spite of all of that. So you know I think last year when we saw Florida State have these kinds of games, they uh, they didn't win those games. So you know I know that's something we talked a lot about in the preseason. So um, you know like like you guys mentioned, uh, I think preseason three and one we would have been happy, and now four and zero, oh, and we're talking about how they're kind of a little bit of a letdown maybe in some sense. So it's kind of just funny how quickly things change.
0: Yeah, I think in my big takeaway is this was never going to be easy. Um, you weren't ever going to go into Clemson and break this losing streak with, I think, a blowout win. If you've lost to a team seven straight times, as, as bad as they may have looked week one and the following weeks, uh, you knew they were getting up for this game, and it wasn't going to be one you could just kind of walk in there and take. So I, I'm not terribly surprised. I think my prediction score-wise was like 21-20, and then by the time we did the article on Friday, it was like 24-20. I, I didn't expect a lot of points. Um, I also didn't expect FSU to really kind of look this bad. It seems like the the LSU second half almost at this point is kind of standing out as a bit of an anomaly on the year. John, you mentioned some scheme issues. I'll let you kind of decide which side of the ball you want to go to first. You won the coin toss. So would you like to go offense or defense on where you kind of see the issues you want to tackle first?
1: Well, I think we have to go defense, right? That's what most I think fans were talking about during the game you know they they obviously want to be more aggressive than they were last year right they want to man up on everyone's receivers we did see duke man up on clemson's receivers to start the the you know week 1 and they had a lot of success right clemson only scored uh, 7 points i believe in that game i believe so you know fsu want to do the same thing but they're they can't they're not very good at it uh I, I think that this team this defense should play a lot more zone coverage uh multiple people pointed out the the slant was there all day it's it's one thing to play man coverage right but you're playing with outside leverage. So you're just giving a free release to the inside play after play after play. And those are easy throws for Kovnick who is, you know, he, he's not the elite receiver that, uh, I mean, the elite quarterback that Clemson had with say Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, He's, he's far from that right now. He's, he's very raw. um, And I thought FSU just gave him too many easy things. I I do think Garrett Riley, I, I also think I'll say this too. I also think Clemson They've obviously worked on their offense since the Duke game. They did a lot of things that were differently than what they did in the Duke game where their offense looked exactly the same with uh, as it did last year with DJ. Um, so, you know, credit to Garrett Riley. He, he did a lot of things, I think, in the game today that FSU had not seen on film before. And so those a tough adjustments. But at the end of the day, I think this defense tries to play man. I don't think they have the players or the technique to do it. I think they give up way too many explosive plays. And – it, it really hurts FSU's chances to win, right? Because uh, I agree with you guys that Clemson was always going to be a dogfight, but uh, I thought FSU was the better team. I still feel that way after the game. I thought this should not have been as close as it was.
0: I, I think where I ended up on on the defense was they – how do I put this? It, it was like to me there were obvious struggles, right? You, you shouldn't have been losing – the man-to-man battles with these receivers especially with Williams out in this game it it's a it's a setup that you shouldn't have been losing clubnik looked good after not looking good for a large portion of the season so far um it's disheartening that Duke was better in that man-to-man situation than you were um at the same time I I don't know, man. I, I I don't want to put too much in this particular game on them because I feel like they played fine. Like if you told me they give up 24, I feel like Florida State wins the game. If you tell me, and and I would have taken that at the beginning, but the way they played gave me more concerns going forward than than anything else. I mean, obviously you get the huge play from Kalen Deloach, which which is what essentially ends up winning you the game because it's what tied the game. And you didn't score the whole fourth, so. Um a nod there, but yeah, if Clemson does this to you, then, then the fear is what what does Miami, what is Duke, what you know, the teams that maybe are slightly better at skill guys than Clemson currently is, uh, what kind of issues do they give you?
1: Right. Yeah. And that's oh sorry, but that's um I mean it's it's definitely a major, it's definitely a major concern. And I, I don't I don't understand it. I thought, you know, Cyprus. He's been up and down this year. Sometimes he makes plays. Sometimes he doesn't contest the catches at all, right? And I think even when FSU does contest catches, they uh, it's weird because these receivers that we're playing against keep making these crazy catches, right? And then you know you do a hat tip to them, but then it, it keeps happening. And at some point, we have to start contesting and forcing incompletions. It's just not happening, uh, and it, it's been it's been it's been very frustrating. And again, I want to give k- uh, credit to Garrett Riley this is obviously not the same offense that Clemson ran against Duke. So I I think he did a lot scheme-wise that that really helped him out and helped Klubnik, uh, but it's still a very disappointing day overall for the secondary.
2: Yeah, that secondary was was just awful today. Um, And I mean, scheme-wise, the unit in general, I mean, Fentrell Cypress just – I not good enough today. I mean, obviously you're missing a team dent. That's going to hurt a lot. And he's a really, really, really good football player. And he does a lot of good things for this defense, but it, it's just so stark. The difference between them against LSU dealing with those receivers. And then you're playing Clemson and it looks like this. That's the number one concerning thing that I'm thinking about coming out of this is, is how, how does that happen? It just doesn't make sense. Um, so you know i maybe you can chop that up to it being game 1 for lsu and you know them maybe still getting underneath their feet and some something like that but you saw what they did last week we know what they're capable of and we saw how fsu played against them um and then clemson does that today um it's just i, I you know i mean i i think you just walk away from this game thinking, how is FSU going to make the kind of national championship run that we were talking about three weeks ago? I I don't think the path is as clear now as it was before.
0: Yeah, I, I guess so. And I think touching on the LSU game makes a lot of sense because I have started to consider that perform it so leaving that game the conversation especially in a lot of the tomahawk nation group discussions was lsu had guys open and daniels missed a few throws and the the, obviously the main one that always keeps coming back to mind is is the third end of the third quarter to throw to brian thomas if he hits him it's a touchdown it's a tie game to start the fourth um i took away from that my initial reaction being well you're able to pressure the quarterback enough where a team that isn't to lsu's caliber isn't going to give you those problems because you you were in daniel's space enough to, to cause those bad throws to cause those issues um that i don't think has carried over and i don't think and the receivers are still open so i i think it is a mix where the pressure isn't Really, anywhere close to as frequent as you'd hope? I mean, they are getting sacks. I think they had three today, or or maybe maybe four. Um, so you're getting there, but I, I think you'd want more pressures and and more ability to force shifting pockets. But it just seems like you're getting beat. Well, if you're getting beat on slants, there's no time to even get there. So it's I end up taking the LSU game as almost like LSU's failure to execute more than I'm taking away that Florida State really up, disrupted things up front. And I think that's where this game, being the only real one, I think you can take anything else away from, was like disappointing to so see you couldn't match up against a much lesser secondary uh, skill player group from from Clemson. Obviously, Shipley caught the ball well, but I mean he's he's one guy,
1: right? And I, I mean they're just the 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 middle of the defense is open on on every play, and you know I thought against Boston College, you know the safety play was was pretty bad. Uh, I thought the linebackers were very poor in coverage. I, I, I mean, we'll have to watch it again to see. I think the linebackers were better in coverage today. They're definitely better fitting fitting the run uh, fits. But you know, Knowles Kevin Knowles is struggling quite a bit uh, back there in the secondary, and they're just they're giving up too many too many plays. The middle of the field is open on every play, and you just you can't do that. I, I think it's I I just don't know. I it, it's very concerning. It's definitely very concerning.
0: Your leading tacklers, Shaheem Brown and Kevin Knowles, both with eight.
1: Right, and uh, they picked on Knowles for quite a bit during the game today. Um, you know, and you miss Akeem Dent. Yeah, I wouldn't say Akeem Dent's like one of the best safeties in the country. So uh, it's just, I'm not sure. You know, I think last year they played a lot more zone. They, they, they. You know were leading the country or right up there at the top of the country and giving up the fewest explosive plays last season, right? It was a very good combination, right? Their offense had the most explosives in the country. Their defense gave up the fewest for for most of the season. And that's just not the case this year. And I think they played a lot of zone, kept everything in front of them, that kind of thing. And they just haven't done that this year. They're trying to be more aggressive. I thought the only time they really pressured Klubnik or where you know into some mistakes was when they blitzed right off the edge with a with the defensive backs. Uh you know, again, this defensive line for Florida State is very good. Fisk is incredible. Farmer's awesome. Fabian Lovett had another good game. He showed up very well today uh, versus just elite against the run. Uh, Patrick Payton played extremely well, right? Your front is very good. But, Brian and Ben, to your guys' points, it's so difficult to get a pass rush going if it's one, two, three balls out and that play is open all day long. And it's so frustrating giving up so many explosive plays, letting offenses convert so many second, third, and longs. You just you can't get off the field. That was part of the offense's problem. It's They can't get on the field because the defense can't get off the field, right? You can't score if your offense isn't on the field. So, I mean, unless you're Caitlin Deloche today. But um, <laughs> other than that, like, it's just very frustrating. I don't think Clemson should have scored 24 points today, right? I just don't. If if the defense is coordinated well, so I I think the sample size of that Fuller is large enough to say that there are legitimate questions about that unit and how he's coordinating them from now through the rest of the year. Uh, I don't know, maybe maybe Norvell does or doesn't decide to make a change at the end of the season, but right now it could very well cost Florida State a game this season, even though you beat the two toughest opponents on your schedule.
2: Yeah, I, I think I, I saw this on Twitter, so this isn't this isn't original, but it it almost feels like fsu is wasting a really really special offense with this defense um and i and i think that's just kind of the unfortunate reality that some fans are gonna come to after this game um and and i buy it you know i think this is a national championship level offense they're they're worthy of the hype they have the skill players they have all the guys mike norvell when he's dialed in is great um but yeah this defense just is not good enough. I mean, you made some great points though, um, John. I mean, the, the defense was disruptive early in the game uh, until they started getting to that quick game. They were able to kind of wreak havoc up front. Uh, Fabo got quite a few pressures, um, especially on those uh, not goal line, but, where uh, Clemson was backed up into their own end zone, Fabo was huge on, on that drive right there. I mean, so they, they have the guys on the front four to be able to, to be disruptive, to do what they need to do but the coverage scheme was just so poor today that they weren't able to execute. Um, And I mean, you made some great points, John, about the middle of the defense, but even early on in that game, the outside of that defense Clemson was just hitting shot plays so many times early on in that game to the point where it just felt like FSU dug, it's kind of dug a hole that they weren't able to get out of defensively. Um, And I mean, ultimately, You make some plays at the end of the game that are pretty timely, which seems to be kind of the staple of Adam Fuller so far. Um, But it's it's this thing where it's 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 not like, oh, the defense plays pretty good. And then, hey, they make some shutout plays towards the end of the game. It's oh, my God, this defense is terrible. They make awful plays. There are things happening that just should not happen, and then they come up with just enough plays to survive, which, you know what, in the win column, of course that counts, but it's concerning for your long-term prospects this season. And
0: I think that's where I ended up. Uh, I do specifically want to give Kalen Deloach that that shout-out on that one play. Obviously, you know, a lot of negative talk on the defense, but... That one play obviously ends up being the difference and, and is the one that people will take away from this game. I guess that maybe be Keyon's touchdown catch there. Um, a bit of luck at the ball, and <laughs> I guess Fisk couldn't pick it up, and it bounced back to Kalen because you kind of needed the extra wheels there. But uh, that play ends up being the difference. A, a bit of a – it wasn't really delayed, but he was coming from so far out, it took him a minute to get there. Uh, John, what did you see on that play in particular?
1: Um, wait. Which play was it? The Kalen, the
0: the Kalen blitz. uh, Oh yeah.
1: So I don't know if it was a delayed blitz by Kalen. It didn't look like uh, it. It
0: looked like he was coming from just far out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it took a while to get there. I think Kay Klubnick. Again, like I said earlier, he's very, very raw. Just I don't know how you don't see Deloach there. I know the broadcast tried to point out that might have been Phil Maffa's mistake on on pass protection. Uh, But yeah, he comes in. I thought it was a great, great hit by Deloach. Uh, Fisk again was somehow always around the ball. was right there. Uh, he kind of I don't know uh, misses it, but he kind of kicks it back up to Deloach, who sprints with it. Yeah, uh, I like when they send Deloach on a blitz, right? I thought they tried to do it wide. I think that was a a good scheme design. I'll give Fuller that. Uh, yeah, I mean it's just you don't win the game if you don't make that play, right? And I think Clemson every game this season, or they have a tendency to do that exact thing: turn it over like that, uh, whether it's a, a fumble on the snap or anything like that. So I thought. And it's, I'm kind of surprised too that Klubnik didn't throw an interception. They, the Clemson tried to turn the ball over all day, and FSU just kind of didn't want to take it until yeah. right when it mattered most. Uh, so, hey, great play by Deloach. I heard he broke the rock. I think for that play, yeah, uh, which is well deserved. Um, but it's, it's good design, good execution. They finally got home, uh, and it went
2: the way you'd hope.
0: Anything stand up to you on that play, Ben, beyond, beyond what John's already covered?
2: <laughs> no, I mean, uh, no, that was a great breakdown of that play. I mean, you want to talk about got to have it plays, what I was referring to earlier, you know, making making timely uh, plays at the, I mean, yeah, just great S- situationally. They were terrible all day. And then I don't want to say you make it up with that play, because I don't think that play totally made that up. But, you know, you like you guys said, you don't win the game if you don't make that play.
0: Yeah, I think this end game ends up being the one where, when we're talking about it, five, ten years from now, it's a lot of remember K- K, that's the that's the game that's the Kalen game, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, like that. This is the play that ends up being the crowning achievement on it, and, and uh, he absolutely deserves to break the rock. And you know, hats off to him. That's the play that wins the game. But the effort to get there, helmet right through the football. Then uh, again, lucky it didn't end up in Fisk's hands and it bounces back to Deloach to be the, the wheels to take it the rest of the way because. Um. Ben, you said earlier that that you that you've seen on Twitter and and uh, may believe. I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I don't want to go that far. But this defense could be wasting a special FSU offense. Um, I left this game beyond disappointed in what this offense put on the field. Um, you were giving up sacks on three man rushes. Jordan was missing guys in the small windows that were open. Um, your receivers Keon and johnny who we have sat here and discussed as two of the best receivers in the country had a large portion of this game struggling to get open um and i still don't feel like they have a great idea of what to do with Jaheem. he's getting the ball five six times a game and it just seems like it's not clicking i, I it just seems like i love the weapons and they make plays sporadically But you mentioned it when we first jumped on the Zoom before we actually started recording, but they went through those long periods of not doing a damn thing that we were worried about all over the place in this game.
2: Uh, Yes, they did. Uh, I want to go specifically to – so at the end of the first half, the offense had two back-to-back 75-yard drives, touchdown drives. Um, I forget. I think the first one was to Keon. Then it was the Jordan run-in. Yeah, 13 plays and
0: then five plays.
2: Yeah, and then they come out the second half, they move the ball well, they don't convert when they need to, but they get a nice field goal, tie up the game, um, and then from that point on, punt, 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 punt uh, to end the game. Three, three and outs, one five-play drive. They didn't get over midfield. Uh, Actually, I
0: think you you shortchanged them one. They had a three and out, a three and out, a five-yard, a five-play punt, another three and out, and then the turnover on downs to end it. You shortchanged him an extra punt, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah, man, it was a I this offense I I wanna first off give Jordan Travis a lot of credit because he was very clearly playing hurt today and got hurt again in the game. I mean, dealing with the shoulder issue is one thing it being his non-throwing shoulder. That's obviously going to make things uncomfortable in the run game. And I think you saw a lot of people talking about, Oh, why wasn't there more design runs by Jordan? Why weren't they using him more? I, I, I think he was hurting a lot in that game. And I think that was a big reason because of that. Um, he also injured his right hand and it was bleeding at some points in the game. he was, yeah. Clearly uncomfortable throughout the entire game. So I think, you know, yeah, Jordan had his misses. He wasn't perfect today, but I think all things considered, he was the best player on offense, maybe besides Keon Goldman. Um, And I I always come away impressed by Jordan Travis's performance. And I think today for me was a gutsy performance. I I think he stepped up when he needed to. Um, You know, in terms of the what's not working with this offense. Uh, the most experienced offensive line in college football sucks right now. They're just not good. <laughs> I don't. Know, there's kind of no other way to say it. I mean, you, you can come in and totally tell me if I'm wrong, John, but I mean, 1.1 yards per carry today. Jordan was under duress. Most of the day, they had to use multiple backs, tight ends and pass protection on those rollouts often. And they kept using them more and more further into the game. It, This offensive line that we were so excited about coming into the season, it's just, you know, as much experience as they have, they just are not a good unit right now. Um, And I think that's really disappointing considering who Alex Atkins is and just how much money and time they've put into these players that they're bringing in through the portal. Um, So, yeah, I think the offensive line is really concerning. Uh, That running game was – god-awful today i 1.1 yards per carry is like like i i don't remember the last time any team has had that low of a yards per carry a power five team like that in that type of game and and still won um so i mean look keon coleman like you said he did struggle to separate at times but man he comes up big when you need him to he is just excellent in the red zone he's excellent in man-to-man coverage if if he's manned up always throw him the ball and give him a chance every single time. And it's going to work out for you <laughs> in the end. Um Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's definitely some concerning things about the offense, but I think the reason I said, this is a national championship level offense. And I stand by that is because we, we know the ceiling of this offense. We know what they're capable of, but this rough patch that they're going through right now. um, ugh, The, I think the offensive line to me is the biggest thing that stands out. But I think really, it's the collection of everything. Um, you know, and I think it's important to note that with Jordan being injured today, you take away that element of, of him being able to run the ball that's that's going to affect your offense time. So, yeah, just a weird offensive performance overall. I I don't know what, what, what do you think about all that, John?
1: Um, well, everything, everything starts with Travis. I don't think Travis is healthy. Uh, I agree with uh, some of the points that you made about the offensive line. Yeah, they did return the most production in college football, but you know, by, it was a very good defensive front. You got to give Clemson some credit. They have a lot of players on there. I think their linebackers are extremely good. Trotter is is amazing. And then the secondary, Bakuba is ridiculous future NFL player, so is Nate Wiggins who got hurt. So they have a ton of defensive talent on that defense still even though Venables is gone. They've taken a little bit of a step back. They're still very good. Uh, but everything starts with Travis. I think, besides his shoulder injury, Travis isn't healthy. And even before he hurt it, his ball placement has been not very good this whole season. Uh, it's been very, very frustrating. Uh, you know, he was pinpoint last year down the field. It's not been that the case this year. Uh, so, I mean, it starts with him. But I, I agree, Ben, with your point that Travis. I mean, he's a warrior. He, he gutted this one out. I know he was hurting. I think he re-injured the shoulder a little bit. it's probably just going to be a pain management thing for the rest of the year. But, you know, like I said earlier, there's, there's schematic issues with this offense. Right. And after the Boston college game, you know, some people talked about, we kind of talked about a pod, which is, you know, why, why does Travis keep throwing it into, you know, contested catches and single coverage to Keon and Johnny Wilson down the field when you got a lot of guys open underneath. Right. And, at first, I was like, okay, well, you know, it's a small sample size, whatever. I kind of get what they're seeing. But now after this game, I think I'm buying into it. And I think Keon Coleman is probably the best receiver in college football after Marvin Harrison Jr. I think he's really, really good. I think Johnny Wilson is what he is at this point. He, he'll give you that spectacular catch like he had today, which was absurd. But then he dropped someone that, you know, you really need to keep the drive going. Uh, but I, 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 I'm buying into the scheme issues. I think it's way too much stuff it's almost like the opposite issue with the defense, right? The defense is just giving so much wide open space in the middle of the field between the hash marks. The defense, I mean, the offense just doesn't want to throw there, and I don't understand why, right? Uh, you know, besides the the great play design on the touchdown to Keon, right, where he faked kind of the, the you know, the hitch and then took off on the slant score, all, everything just it fades down the sideline outside the numbers. It's all difficult contested catches. And I get the argument. You know, If you see that one-on-one coverage, and I think this offense tries to isolate these receivers in that one-on-one coverage, you're going to take it. But we're not seeing them win more than 50% of the time. Again, uh, credit to Clemson's defense. They have very good defensive backs. But they won the majority of those opportunities today, I thought. And you you have so much talent. Keon and Johnny and Jaheim Bell, I thought they could have used more on you know, third downs and in the red zone. Uh, you know, just there's nothing under ten yards in the middle of the field, right? Which you know, to quote kind of Allen Monday, who used to work uh, for Tom Lang Nation, they, they don't do anything inside ten yards in the middle of the field. It's everything's contested catches outside, and uh, it's just very very frustrating because they're not as good as they could be, right? And then Travis's ball placement down the field is poor, or these, these receivers aren't coming down with those 50-50 contested catches. So they could make life easier, right? When they did throw it into the flat, they had a ton of success against Clemson today, right? Whether it was Jaheen Bell or Field or whatever, they had a lot of success. So I think they need to throw underneath more, and they just don't want to do that, and I don't know why, because I think it would keep them on the field. Because when this offense is rolling, even this good Clemson defense cannot stop them, right? As someone else pointed out in Tom nation chat, the only people who can stop this FSU offense is FSU's players. They're that good or they have the potential to be that good. And it's just too many times they don't execute. And it's very, very frustrating. I think they could do some things to help out Travis or Travis can help out, you know, the offense and keep them on schedule. So it's too many third and longs. And they've been very, very good at converting third and longs, but it's too many third and longs. So, you know, when you're playing a game like this or when your defense has been having the issues that we're talking about, it just makes the game a lot closer than it should have been. It can be very frustrating. Uh, and, and sorry, one last thing, is, Ben, I do agree with your points on the offensive line. It, it's it. I mean, Byers had a really rough day today in, in pass protection, but the run game it's, they got problems. Uh, you know, the returning production hasn't meant much. They can't run for anything. As you know, I, again, it doesn't cost them as much because you're you are good at passing the ball when you do execute. Uh, but when you don't, this offense just it disappears.
0: Yeah, the severe lack of a run game is concerning. Obviously, Clemson being what I think is the best defensive front you have on the schedule going the rest of the way. So that, that I, I can at least accept that this week, but coupled with the struggle you had last week, um, it becomes, is this a pattern because Boston college is getting gutted again. Um, I think today I could be wrong. I think they're playing Louisville and and already giving up 30 plus yard rushing touchdowns and, um, yeah, it's 35-7 in the second quarter right now, as I say this out of my mouth. But to not be able to put it together two weeks in a row is where that becomes extra concerning.
2: Yeah, the, the longest rush that FSU had today was 12 yards. That's that's just unacceptable. Um, and, you know, this, this running game, it, it's just so strange to see them execute so well last season and have this massive drop off. And, you know, I think especially what, what you're saying, Brian, it, it'd be one thing if... You know, it looked a little bit better than it did against Boston College because, you know what? Hey, this Clemson front is excellent. You, you kind of you don't expect to to beat them up up front. But the running game is actively getting worse. The offensive line issues are only persisting right now. So I, I think. It's it's you know, of course I'm concerned with what we're seeing, but I think the direction they're going to me is is the really concerning thing. And um, yeah, I guess your bye week couldn't have come at a better time because they really need to get a little healthier along that line, get Jordan some some pain management. Um, just figure out what you need to do for the rest of the season to to have a functioning run game. Because if if they if this run game just doesn't function, um man, they're gonna run into issues and they're gonna have Four or five drives in a row like they did today. Um, and this is the exact issue we talked about this offseason when there's three losses last year. When the offense stalls, they put the defense in a bad place. And today the defense was already playing so poor. So um, yeah, I think as as much as you know, as fantastic as the passing game is, Keon, I mean, Keon to me is like a top 10 pick, top 15 pick. I, I he's ridiculous. Johnny. Like you guys said, he is who he is. Um, but also, and you know, I want to go back to something John just mentioned, that you know they're living off these outside shots. And the volatility of that is just too much to, to kind of rest your laurels on that. So I, I think moving forward, if they don't figure out the run game, I mean, I talked about it before the season in terms of predicting a loss. Like, hey, they get a weird game against a Duke, a Pitt. Miami looks really good now. Those are the games that you're really concerned about, because if you cannot run the ball versus those teams and it stays the same or actively gets worse, they're not going to be the team that we think they are. And I think it's really disappointing for an offense that has such a high ceiling.
0: Yeah, I didn't anticipate being this disappointed in the offense. Um, and like I said, this is a Clemson game. I get it. Clemson's defense is strong. But in regulation, the offense gave you 17. Um, and. I don't think any of us think that's enough to have won this game. I, it, I mean, obviously it wasn't. But if you'd have told me before the game the offense gives you seventeen, I say they lose. You know, they probably lose twenty to seventeen or something like that. Um, and I don't expect them to go out and score every drive. Like they have the potential to, sure, I, but I don't expect them to. Um, but where I, I find issue is they have too many drives that only last like a minute where they don't even get like six yards. I mean, they got a three play negative seven yard drive here, a three play four yard drive, a three play four yard drive, a three play negative 11 yard. Like I understand that they can't score every drive, but I expect them to not go three and out four times or, or not be punting within the first two minutes of having the ball five or six times. That's, I understand it's the Clemson defense, but that's not going to work if you're playing an offense that can really fire back. We talked about it this week that Clemson's offense isn't explosive. If you run into Miami, who is who can be more explosive with Van Dyke, or um, I'm not entirely sure how explosive Duke is, but maybe North Carolina in an ACC title game, a team who if, you, if they score on the first drive and then you put up the garbage three and out and you're down 14-0 in the blink of an eye because they're that kind of explosive – that's a real problem um you just gotta be able to give yourself more than four and five three and outs I mean Clemson did that with their drives and I don't think any of us think their offense is any good I mean 15 plays seven plays seven plays and those both ending in touchdowns um I don't see them going three and out one time the whole game
2: yeah. no, uh, and ex- except something- for the four and out
0: in overtime I guess
2: yeah, clemson controlled the time of possession too i mean that goes back to what you're saying about those three and outs 35 minutes time of possession nearly um that's just not good enough for fsu uh you know also want to mention five of 15 for fsu on third and fourth down combined like you know this just it's just not good enough i i don't know any other way to say it and i you know i hate to be so down right now but i think for the standard we hold this team to they're just not meeting that standard right now. Um, they met that standard against LSU. They haven't done it since.
0: I think the one big thing, too, on top of this, uh, before I go into some of the more fine details, is is what you and John both said right off the jump of this podcast. You are 4-0. You are 2-0 and in conference play. For all intents and purposes, you just buried Clemson. They have two conference losses in September, they have North Carolina on their schedule. They've got Miami, I think, on their schedule. They've got those up other upper echelon, t- topper tier, higher tier teams in the ACC on their schedule. What you just did today was huge. Um, mm-hmm. This is a huge win, and you start looking, like we talked about, the path to the playoff is wide open. The path to the ACC championship game is really wide open. You just need to... Take this week, figure out the schematic issues that John talked about, and I mean, obviously try and get healthier with with getting Travis a little more in shape here, and, and as best you can with that type of shoulder issue, obviously not throwing shoulder, but as best as best as best as you can get him healed for an extra week. Take it, um, and then hopefully you can kind of run away from the next couple of Syracuse and uh, Virginia Techs ahead, and, and hopefully rest up for a while here before you really need a big game again out of it. In terms of that, the uh, the detailed things that I kind of wanted to touch on in, in terms of the very specifics, I'll let you guys pick off things, but I'll, I'll take my my personal favorite detail of the game. Um, man, that kicker for Clemson missing was hilarious. Was that not hilarious? My God, yeah. they spent the whole time out talking him up with the camera on his parents, and he's back, he's a grad student, and then he just, man, that's so college football. I have simply loved it. I felt bad for him, but also I loved it.
2: Yeah, that was that was a little sad, honestly. I, I feel I, I feel for that kid in this in that moment. You know, it's tough.
1: Yeah, same thing. I, I feel bad for the kid, but that was peak college football. So college kicker, football. you know, college kicker moment, and it's just it's too perfect. And, I mean, it was it, it was a it was a you know a point blank chip shot, and he shanked it. And how often does that happen?
0: Yeah, they they very clearly were just deciding they're they're grinding this thing out. It's a it's a twenty nine yard kick. I, I think the best part was, and and it, again, it, it is awful that the kid has to go through that moment and the whole thing, but the, to sit through the timeout, the whole time they're showing the parents, they're they're talking the whole story all over again that we've already heard earlier in the game. Um, just to, And you're just going, God, he's going to miss, isn't he? Like, he's, <laughs> is this really how this is going to go? Because we've seen it so many times in college football, that it's just, it's like it's written that way. It's really crazy. That, so that was my one big play. John, what's your one big play that stood out? Man, I... Is there a detail that, a, that stands out to you?
1: No, just the Deloach play. It was just fantastic. The way he hit Cade Klubnick, oh, let's let's do that one detail. How he hit him, did do targeting, put his helmet kind of like in his whole shoulder right on the ball, popped that sucker out, and it was off to the races. I thought the way he hit Klubnik was, was pretty good. There was actually some really good hits in this game, right? there's a the one where Tatum Bethune came up and tattooed Klubnik when he was trying to do a, a QB keeper. So...
2: Uh, I thought the physicality of the game was very fun. Ben, what about you? Oh, my one play has to be Keon Coleman. I mean, come on, you know, that (laughs) that touchdown. I mean, that's just peak Keon. And I wrote about it in my offensive review of the game. That's exactly why they brought in Keon Coleman. They did not have someone who could do that. And Jordan Travis is actually shown to be really excellent at that fade ball. Uh, It's been really efficient for them this year. They scored quite a few touchdowns already. Um, So I think they're going to keep... gonna keep going back to that um yeah man I don't know I I'm I love wide receivers my favorite position and man Keon he's just like he's 6'4 and it doesn't even seem like he's 6'4 but then with the physicality he plays with and how he mosses guys then you're like oh yeah he's Uh, (laughs) 6'4 so no I mean he's I gosh he's one of my favorite players I've watched in a very very long time I think he's gonna. He's going to be playing on Sundays and just be fantastic next year. I, I want to say one thing about that, too. That was such
1: a good pick for that play because I, I have to say this, too, I thought that Florida – I mean, I was just exhausted after regulation, right? I thought for sure Florida State – I was so tired. I thought Florida State was going to lose, right? You know, you're in overtime on the road. Usually that favors the home team. First play right out of overtime, that was I, – I Ben, that was a good point because that was beautiful to watch. Uh, very, very amazing – uh, Again, yeah, that's what you want to see from Keon. Those kind of contested catches. And for I'll give Travis credit too. That was really good ball placement on that on that play. So it was very very pretty to watch. And it changed my whole thing. I'm like, well, oh, De- fortunately, is definitely winning now. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, as much as Club Nick has struggled the second half, and all the other stuff. So uh, yeah, that was that's a good call.
0: Yeah, it, it it the moment I thought for the first time that I thought they could lose this game was the Mafa run. Uh, right before that that fump strip sack touchdown um, because it felt like they were knocked back they were you know they were on their heels and you just go three and out for the second consecutive time they just put a 11 play drive on you to take a seven point lead and then they come right out the gates with this big run play and he's just running through guys and you're like well that's going to be a problem um, yeah
2: it's, it felt and- like Clemson was in control at that point
0: and that was the that was the first moment I thought it was over. So the you know the Deloach play that you mentioned before obviously ends up swinging that huge. And then the next time I thought that the game could actually go against them was the followed up three and three and out punt that then led to the missed field goal at the end. Um, I'm like, if Clemson scores a touchdown here, I think they lose. Um, obviously, if they they make they, they make that field goal, it's a whole different scenario than the way Florida State's playing that down the stretch. But. um I still felt like it was a little bit disappointing the way they came down the field and weren't really able to get that game winning drive off. Um but overall I, I only had those two moments where I felt like they could lose when they went to overtime, which I don't know what I don't know what happened on that last play of regulation where they ran the ball with Shipley, picked up like fifteen and just stood around and just let the clock run out, even though they were they could have spiked it and taken one more throw.
1: Yeah, and then someone just posted this chat. I think Dabo had said that K. Klubnick, right, on that that uh, third down in overtime, he was supposed to hand the ball off. Instead, he tries yeah. to throw it wide on that screen. and gets tackled for like a two-yard loss, right? Yeah. And then they don't get it on fourth down. Uh, was or it, whatever. The RPO,
0: play... right? It was a run-pass option play?
1: <laughs> yeah, and for whatever reason, he pulls it instead of just handing it off, and they pick up the first down, and, and you get tackled short on that screen. So, uh, you know, big mistake by the sophomore QB.
0: Yeah, very interesting choice. When it happened, um, I I thought they were trying to be cute. Uh, but obviously, you know, in that film film review and and some of the guys at the site going back through it, I, I saw that in the chat earlier. Yeah, it's very interesting choice there from Klubnik because, I mean, it, it seemed pretty clear that Shipley had plenty of space to just follow forward and at least get the six inches they needed. Right. Uh, very interesting to then put it right back in his hands for fourth down, but I guess fourth and two. You didn't want to try to run it right into the teeth of this defense either.
1: Yeah. Um, and and one more, one more shout out to this defensive lineman. Verse was unbelievable. Patrick Payton was unbelievable. Fisk yeah. again showed up. Fabian love it. Uh they, you know, uh Farmer, Farmer is just you know dog walking their guard a couple of times. The backup, uh right guard. So hats off to them, man. I, you know, they they did an excellent job today.
0: one other thing I want to talk about um, before we get out of here and go watch the rest of Oregon absolutely dragging Colorado. um, (laughs) It's a pet peeve of mine, and I don't really want to go here because I believe it to be the loser's lament because it's the same eight or nine guys wearing stripes out there. But a a lot of chatter today on officiating. Um, Before I I cede the floor to you guys and let you have your thoughts, and please don't let me paint them if you really think it was – it was slanted, but uh, my general opinion on officiating being one side or the other is um, they're just a bunch of older guys who are just trying to call a game. Um, I think the Renardo Green penalty probably stays in the pocket, but I see how you end up throwing the flag. Um, you, we go back to the thing where you could throw a holding on pretty much any play, so it is a little subjective on when they pick and choose to throw the flags. Um, but I don't think any of us want to watch a game where the flag's being thrown around 800 times. And I don't think, I I didn't watch this game thinking much in the way of this game is clearly slanted, Um, though I I can very easily watch just about any game and go, well, the officiating is maybe poor to below average uh, in just about any game. Uh, But I saw a lot of conversation both on Twitter and in our chats and comment sections about um well clearly there's there's an anti-FSU thing going here. And I, I didn't see that, but um curious you guys' thoughts. And and again, it's it is my pet peeve. So that that's my soapbox, and I'll go ahead and get off of it for now and let you guys have the floor.
1: Um yeah, so I guess where I go with officiating, I do think it was a little more one-sided than it should have been on replay. I think I could not argue with some of the calls against Florida State as much as I did initially. With that said, I don't, well, I do think it was one side of my issue is that they don't, they didn't call it the same both ways. And I don't ever really point to bias to start. I go with more just incompetence. Uh, yes. Yes. R- right. I don't, I don't think it's, oh, I hate Florida State. You know, th- these guys are just what, like attorneys or who, I don't know what they do, accountants. And they just, this is their side job that they do for fun.
0: The same thing we're doing here. Yeah.
1: Right. Uh, so I don't really go bias. I, all I ask is that they call, and again, if you're going to swallow the flag or the whistle the whole day, fine, whatever, but do it the same both ways. And I felt that they didn't do that today. So I, I think while some of the flags were ended up being legitimate, uh, I do think, again, that's my issue is they didn't call it the same both ways. Uh, there's a ton, a ton of holding on Clemson. They didn't call. So again, I don't, I don't think is a lot of these factors that we talked about today, including the, the zebras, <laughs> as I think Juan was referring to them, but, um, again i don't think in any if you play this game 10 times i think maybe twice does clemson score 24 or more right i think most of the time they're held to, to 13 or 17 or, or something like that 20 maybe so I, I think the the refereeing had a lot to do with that today the officiating had a lot to do with that today it was very disappointing it's frustrating uh you know they they gave quite a bit of boost to clemson especially in the early part of the game but it is it is what it is
0: yeah i think the early touchdown was it the was it a dpi or they call defensive holding there they kind of set up the touchdown um i mean watching it live i went like oh are they really gonna throw a flag for that oh okay they did and you know i, I like you said i don't look at it as, as bias but more incompetence in the way the consist inconsistency ends up playing out ben i'll I'll cede the floor to you as i continue to get on the soapbox that i said i would get off of <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: no i mean I, I totally agree with what you guys are saying that you know ultimately um there were some of those in like live during the game where you go what What are they thinking then you see the replay and you're like uh okay i see um you know i i i do think john made a great point that if you're gonna call the game a certain way it should be fair on both sides of the ball and while i don't think it was extreme i think there was a slight slant in that way i don't think. Um, it ultimately would have determined the game. Um, and, and I think, you know, if FSU had lost this game and you saw people talking all over Twitter about this and they kept bringing up specific moments, I I, I, I think I know what Mike Norrell would be saying, which is we need to play good enough to where that's not even a part of the equation. Um, so to me, that that's ultimately the thing, even at the NFL level, you know, besides that, you know, the Saints game from three or four years ago or whatever it was in the NFC. Yeah, NFL championship. Yeah, I, yeah,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. Sorry yeah. to remind you. <laughs> yeah, there's only like, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's only one egregious example of, you know, something like that truly determining the outcome of a game, right? So I think that's kind of just one of those things where you hope it's called fairly at both sides, whether or not they're swallowing their whistle or throwing a ton of flags or whatever it might be. Um, but ultimately, if FSU had lost this game, And you saw fans complaining about it and Norvell was asked about it. I, I think he would say exactly that, that, Hey, you know, we need to make it to where officiating is not even a part of the equation of whether or not we win or lose this game. And just the fact that they put themselves in that position, you know, you let yourself be open to that too. Um, I also think, you know, people complaining about holding on offense, um, I'm not going to lie, I don't get it because we know how these officials call holding and I thought that was fairly called both ways unless I'm completely missing something it seems like on both sides of the wall for both offenses it was called somewhat fairly um so, I, you know, I think holding is one of those things where if you slow it down every single time, like you mentioned, Brian, it's like you can see holding on every single play in almost every single football game. So I don't really get people complaining about holding because you know how they're going to officiate it. And I think that should be 100 percent a part of a coach's game plan and how they're going to approach coaching their offensive linemen. You know, you got to understand how they're going to call it. So I holding I don't get um, I do think some of the coverage ones were a little iffy, but ultimately, you know, if they lost this game, is is, would Florida State fans really be saying, hey, oh, if the officials hadn't called this or that, oh God, FSU would have ran away with it or won that game. Like to me, I just don't buy that. Yeah, the final numbers were seven for
0: 60 on penalties for Florida State, six for fifty for Clemson. Obviously, when they're called can make a huge difference, but um, the one I would say is I don't think any of us were sitting around thinking about penalties last week when FSU went five for forty-five and Boston College went eighteen for one thirty-one. Yeah, right. And
1: I, another point I just want to add is I think Norvell could. It's one thing I always liked that Jimbo did was he kind of played that game with try the and referees. Tackle. Well, no, well, I saw that today, Jesus. but um, <laughs> I, I mean, he like tried to work the refs. That's one thing I think Norvell could do that he doesn't want to. I think Ben made a good point that Norvell says, you know, that shouldn't even be a factor. You should play well enough, and I, that's great. I love that attitude. But sometimes that's the nature of the game, and you got you got to play the game. And I said the same thing in the chat is, you know, I, I agree with Ben. I, th- I think maybe the holding was more even maybe. But the other thing is I did think – At the same time, Clemson was a little egregious holding on the offensive line, holding FSU's defensive linemen. But the linemen have to play the game too, right? If your coach isn't going to try to work the refs a little bit, if you're being held, throw your arms up. Make it obvious that you're being held. Sometimes you have to call attention to it. I think they could do that a little bit better than they have been. But again, at the same time, I think uh, Norvell should work the refs a little bit more than he does because it's unfortunately a part of the game. It's just how it is. Uh, even though I do I, I ben, again like I said Ben makes a great point. think you know that's what you want your coach to think is we should play well enough that the refereeing doesn't matter um where where I had the most issue was uh, in the receiving game with with uh receivers and defensive backs play hand fighting all game. I thought that was more slanted towards uh, Clemson's favor. Uh, there's a lot of stuff they didn't call on on Clemson's uh, uh secondary were very grabby. And I think, again, well, especially too. if you're getting burned in man coverage all day, why don't you get a little grabby too, right? That's what the the those Florida Gator teams under Urban Meyer did. Their secondary was always super grabby. The issue yeah. is, you know, make the refs call it, but they're not going to call it every play. You kind of set the standard you're going to be grabby every play. They'll call it sometimes, but most of the time it goes in your favor. I think FSU could do you with
2: a little bit of that. Yeah, I think that's the thing is like if you understand how they're going to call it play into that, don't don't try and complain about calls. You know, I mean, obviously, like you said, um, John, you want to get your coach to maybe get after them a little bit more. But it's not like, you know, you can look at this game and look at other ACC games and be like, oh, it's totally different. Like, that's just not the case. So if you know right. how these games are going to be officiated, play into that and take advantage of it. And I think that's it's a great point that you make. Florida State just doesn't do that right now. So, you know, I think that's one area that, you know, we see people complain about all the time. Put your hands up more if you're a receiver, you know, fall down when you get a hold. Um, those sorts of little things make the difference, especially for these college refs.
0: A lot to unpack, obviously, in the uh, – <laughs> we, we probably went long on the officiating conversation, but I, I I saw a lot of conversation around it with with the LSU game, with this game – FSU is going to play other close games this year, and it's, I just don't want it to become a thing where that's that's where we're constantly going. This team is good enough to win these games on their own. They just need to play better the rest of the time. That's where the focus should be on that part of the game. Regardless, you head into the bye 4-0. and You're in the driver's seat of the ACC. You're in the driver's seat for that ACC berth in the championship game. You're in the ber- ACC berth for the college football Layoff. All you gotta do, get healthy and take care of what's ahead of you. Uh, we talked about a little bit the schedule coming up ahead of this bye-week is Virginia Tech, Syracuse. Ben saying circle your calendars. October 21st at home against Duke could be a good one. Uh, wake the month of October seems fairly open outside of the Duke game. Get healthy, go handle your business, come out and play like you're supposed to. And you could be a team entering November at at 8-0 here if you're able to handle Duke. So you're heading the right way. You're doing what you're supposed to do, even while it not it doesn't look as pretty as it should. Uh, in terms of what we're going to deliver for you next week, I'm efforting some bonus uh, bi-week content for you that I'm hoping can come out some point between now and the next game. So we'll have that coming for you at some point, as long as I can lock down the interviews for it. Um, and then we'll be back probably again next Sunday to just kind of, you know, overall where things are, anything we need to talk about, we'll have something for you. Um, and just maybe it's a bigger Tomahawk nation thing we haven't really nailed that down yet but something to kind of reset the season as we enter a new portion of the year 8 weeks to go 8 weeks away from an ACC championship game the the march is right there so we'll for sure have that for you appreciate you guys giving us the uh the time on this saturday ben and ben and john appreciate you guys uh coercing to my schedule i'm going to a concert tomorrow which is why we did this tonight but uh it worked out it was a big game and a, and a reason to do it today so an extra early podcast for you. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, Maybe in other big games, we'll find, see if there's a way to continue doing this, depending on the timing. Obviously, this being at noon made it a little easier. So Um, until next week for Ben, Brian and John, that's a wrap.